What is happening, everyone? Hope you're having an awesome day so far. Uh, welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. Have some really good fun banter uh, early on in the episode. Start with our weekend recap. Then, as always, we get into our current events. So I talk about a couple different things. Uh, one being Chinese hackers now infiltrating our SMS text messages and those message service centers. Uh, so we get into some hacking. Uh, I know we're worried about Russia. Don't sleep on China. Uh, next, we talk about some kettlebell um, strengthening and uh, work being done and how diverse kettlebells are. And so I saw a quick 16-minute workout. So if you're short on time, under 20 minutes, good heart rate, good workout, just need two kettlebells in yourself. Uh, RLE, I kind of talk about it in the start of the show, had uh, a good weekend seminar uh, learning from Dr. Andy Galpin, complete stud in the space. So get into that. And then we end on book talk. I bring up getting the love you want, um, coming off of an awesome interview with Dr. Karen Abrell. Uh, if you have not listened to it, please go check it out. But that is what inspired me to go back to an old book and talk about some love and life things happening there. Tim, where do you take us today? Yeah, I take us over to the state of Minnesota on a cool entrepreneurial story about a 21-year-old college student there who saw an opportunity with Krispy Kreme Donuts, delivery service, made it into a big thing, uh, became a public uh, story with Krispy Kreme and shutting him down with his business. A really cool lesson about emotional intelligence as well. So we talk about that. Uh, real life experience. Uh, I get into a new strategy I'm implementing in my job um, involving handwritten thank you cards and just how taking the time to do that, we explain like the benefits of doing it, um, how much value that can create for someone else and why we do it on our own podcast for our guests and kind of how you can implement it. And then lastly, talk about a book called Mind Gym by Gary Mack. So kind of overcoming yourself mentally and making yourself mentally right for big performances and we talk about how like the specific strategy how it can help you overcome nervousness or stress before a big meeting a big performance maybe you're asking your job your your boss for a raise so it, any conversation that you're kind of nervous about we give you a strategy that you can use um, to overcome that and perform well within that so a lot of good stuff jam-packed in this episode a funny one i might add <laughs> uh, and i hope you guys really enjoy this and it gets your tuesday off to a good start without further ado episode 97 All right, man. We discussed this briefly with our roommates earlier, but yes, we need to do some important market research here. Okay. And I want to get your opinion on here, and we got to talk about it on here. All right. Recorded opinion. Here we go. So if you are walking out of a building, to me, today it happened in the gym. Okay. And you're walking directly behind someone, and they, they open the door for you, or they hold the door for you, or they hold the gate for you mm-hmm. at three different checkpoints, because you're walking behind them the whole time, mm. do you say thank you? At all three time, at all three places, do you say thank you the first and second time? Do you wait to the last one? How should you approach this? So, God, this is so real life. This is like a Seinfeld episode. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I so at, at my gym we have two, and two is like, yeah, that's a no brainer. I think. I think you say thank you both. Mm-hmm. Three. I think I go. I think I go all three. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe. Like you I say might, the same, you say it the same way every time. That's exactly where I was gonna go. I think I add a little blend of herbs and spices to it. Like, oh, hey, thanks, oh, and again, I appreciate you. So at the end, it's just like the 
appreciate you. Ooh, yeah. It's not. It's just a different thank you. Yeah. So it's like, hey, thanks. And again, maybe I'll add like a little playful chuckle to it. You know. Mm-hmm. And again, hey, appreciate you. Yeah. Hey, have a good one. Hey, thanks you too. Thanks for holding the doors, all three of them. Because if you say thanks, 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 that just you might as well not say it again if you're yeah. gonna say the same thing. Like, I, I go, I go, thank you, and then thanks, and then appreciate it. Wow, that's what I do. All right, all right. Got to reword it. I, yeah, you know that's. I think I think that's the move. Mm-hmm. You change up the words, add a little spice to it. Yeah, three for three. Yep. Nice common courtesy, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good manners. You can either even add some humor in it too at the end, like if you're just like, "Oh, thanks again," and then like say it like kind of funny, maybe they'll laugh too. Maybe you can get a little smile out of them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, that, that just that's ha- that happened to me today, and it just made me wonder, like, what's the proper courtesy? I want to know what the listeners think. Yeah, on three doors, and I think past three. If you're going through four doors, there's probably a metal detector on the <laughs> other side of that fourth one. That's government property at that point. You're not going into a YMCA with four doors. Yeah. It's a lot of barriers. Unless you're going through the locker room door, too. <laughs> well, I mean, like, in succession. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in a row. You said, I mean, it's, it's as if you're following them at that point. It gets creepy. Yeah, you then you're just weird. Stall like, door. They hold the stall. T- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say locker room door. That's funny. <laughs> stall. Yeah, if they hold the stall door for you, then you're just asking them if they need help wiping or shaking. Yeah. <laughs> then it just got weird. I love it. Did, uh... Dude, did you hear about uh, the kid on Instagram? He was arrested for trying to hire a hitman via Instagram. Dude, uh, Instagram is becoming becoming the business marketplace. I, I even saved, for killing. I saved That's crazy. <laughs> even for killing. I saved the screenshot. Um, dude, this was twisted. For a hitman to kill an employee at his school. So, like, probably a teacher. So this guy was quoted, quote, I need a guy who could kill someone, end quote. He added, quote, no joke, I need him eliminated as soon as possible. Godfrey was arrested on a charge of first-degree attempt to solicit murder. Nicholas Robert Godfrey. 100 G's. He's 18 years old. 100 G's to kill someone, probably a teacher, at his school. This is a student? Yeah, a student. He's 18 years old. How does an 18-year-old student... You shouldn't even be in school if you have 100,000... <laughs> To just kill someone. You know what? Good. Also that. Dude, where did you get 100 G's <laughs> yeah, from? I wouldn't be in high school still if I had $100,000 in my bank account. I'd yeah, be- what are you slinging? Yeah, you're either smart to make that. So you, you were somehow smart enough to make that money and go make a business out of it. Instead of worrying about killing your teacher. Come on. Yeah, you have 100 G's. Your teacher is really your problem. Jeez. Probably one of those drop shipping kids that discovered drop Like shipping 7 billion people in the world, you're going to let one waste, and you're going to waste 100 Gs on a teacher like that just isn't doing anything to you but teaching you? You're just probably mad about some other shit. Like, <sighs> gave you a C plus on a paper when you wanted a B minus. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, I think teachers should make more money, but you're just going to whack a teacher? Yeah, that's just... Like, on Instagram? Hey... Hey guys, anyone know anyone that's good at killing? Anyone at all? God, dude. Like, I didn't know like that was really a thing anymore. You're gonna hire a hitman? Well, for the serial killers out there, there's a niche for you, I guess. <laughs> God. <laughs> hey, where'd you hear about us? Oh, this podcast off the dome radio was promoting hitman ads. <laughs> oh gosh. That's what we yeah, need. Yeah, that's that's twisted, man. Uh oh, so I had um 
that weekend, uh, Andy Galpin, Dr. Andy Galpin was in the Chicagoland area. So hosted by our friend Dr. Bob Newhaven mm-hmm. with Modus Education. And who are who are these people again? Who, so Dr. What is, it, what Andy, is Galpin doing? What Andy is, Galpin is. Um, it was a weekend geared towards kind of more coaching. There was some nutrition. There was uh, workout programming and design. So he uh, has a doctorate in bioenergetics. So deals with a lot of molecular things. So he's a scientist um, and deals with a lot of chemistry and things. But he coaches a lot of combat fighters. So he has like UFC fighters that he coaches. Um, he has some Muay Thai fighters, some boxers. He has, you know, some traditional professional athletes, but heavy in combat sport. And so we went through kind of just workout design, whether it's, you know, something for that, or if your client is trying to deadlift 300 pounds, you can program, use the same kind of concepts. So we talked about working backwards a lot. So with him, he might ask a fighter, okay, how do you lose this fight? How do you win this fight? Now we have our game plan. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm able to lose. But if I do this, 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 this is how I win. Now how do we get there? And so um, it was just, it seemed so logical and, and simple, but, but that's the thing. We try to reinvent the wheel. It's just work it backwards. What are the defenders from getting you to achieve your desired goal? You know, is your... Um, if your goal is to deadlift or squat 300 pounds, whatever it is, is it really a strength issue or is it a movement skill issue? Mm. Do you have physical limitations, not just strength, but movement wise that you need to work on and then that will help you increase the weight of your squat or deadlift? I'm just using those for sake of example. But so that's kind of how we worked that. And we followed uh, Cronin's model, a guy from New Zealand. Him and this guy, Brian McKenzie, use, uh, you know, they start with, let's say, a squat again. Can you do it well-assisted? If your mechanics are broken-assisted, you shouldn't be doing it loaded, you know, with weight. So can you do it assisted? Can you do it with body weight? Now can we add load? Where do we break in our mechanics? So you keep challenging it. Then we added speed. Uh, so go down as fast as you can, then up as fast as you can with a jump while you have a barbell on your back. That's, that was the weight that we used. Uh, you know, w- with speed in that, you start to recruit old movement patterns. So think athletes in the game, a basketball player in the game, you know, when they fatigue or they get explosive, they, they might recruit old patterns. So you need to see where in their defender of their goal they break. And then that's where you start. That's where you work on. Okay. And it was awesome. Yeah. Damn, dude. We In also, fact, you got that kind of access to these people, too. And, it, yeah, it's just... He signed your certification paper. What, what, what signed it. Yeah. No stamp, boy! That's crazy. Yeah, dude. boy! That's awesome. Got to have dinner with him and our friend Dr. Bob. See, that's... It was just us three, which was super invite. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's a long drive. Um. But yeah, Dr. Bob, man, he's always looking out. Um, and so I asked him after end of day one, I was like, hey, man, my parents are just wondering if I'm you know, going to be home for dinner. Are we all doing something? Because I've been to uh, seminars and weekends he's hosted before and kind of the whole group goes out. You get to mingle. And he goes, well, I'm definitely going out with Andy. Uh, I think everyone's kind of on our own. I'm like, all right. My parents were just asking, you know, so I can let them know. He's like, you know, I don't, I think he's going to chill for a while, but. You're welcome to come with us for dinner. I was like, ooh. Nice. Good ask. I, I was like, um, 
all right. I was like, shoot me a text, whatever the plan is. I'm going to jet home, hang with the rents for a little bit. And so I was hanging with them, and um, my dad was like, so it might just be you three? I was like, well, I'm going to see what their plan is, waiting for Dr. Bob to hit me up. And he's like, hey, got reservations here at 8. Uh, you're more than welcome to join. And my dad's like, if it's just you three and this dude's that big a deal, that's a no-brainer. I'm like, I love hanging with you guys, but that's not the reason I'm here this weekend. So, um, you know, it was cool just kind of getting to learn, like, about him, where he's from, where he grew up, how he grew up and things and, and stuff he's into. Uh, so we talked, you know, he's doing an intermittent fasting study right now, which will be cool to see that get released uh, when he's done with that. But it was fine to just fun to just chop it up with him, mm-hmm. you know, have fun, uh, talk concepts and things, talk a little business or character and, and kind of everything in between. So uh, and we had great food. It was a tapas style restaurant. So dishes you share. So it was, it was fun. We get three things. We were sharing it all. We're halfway done. We order three more things. I love it. Halfway man. done. We ordered three more things. Yeah. So um, it, it was really cool. And uh, a bigger uh, thing that we talked about as well throughout the whole weekend was context and interpretation. So you have data, mm-hmm. and but then you have to interpret that and have proper context. So uh, especially with studies and things where there's kind of just blanket statements, you need to understand or try to think, okay, but how is this really done? So there was a study done at University of Michigan with their uh, soccer team. And the data pointed that heart rates were lower, less ground was covered within the games. So interpretation could be that they're not working hard enough. They're getting lazy on the field. They're not covering enough ground. But what happened was they were efficient with where they were in their spots. So they were in the right spots at a better timing. So then they didn't have to work as hard and still got the same, if not better, results. So it's context. Mm. So it's, it's how are we interpreting, but what was the context? There was another on a, a tennis players um, where they're striking the ball with the racket. And he's like, so ideally, according to data, you want to see good strikes right in the middle of the racket. There were a lot on the outside of the racket. This might tell someone, wow, this tennis player is just not any good, or they had a really bad day that day. Really? Or was the weather really bad? What was their opponent like? How how was he or she playing that day? You know, what other factors are playing into mm-hmm. this? What was the the person fatigued or, or not well rested? Whatever it may be. So it's, it's there's data, then interpretation, then context. So you need to not just look at data for the answer. You need to understand the layers, kind of. Right. So that was a big part of the weekend too. And I was like, that's nice. like so crucial with anything and everything. So now I look at like real life situations differently in terms of context. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that decision was made or this thing was said or someone interpreted it this way, but what was context as well? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's challenging. And then it's like, oh, wow. You look at things a lot more ways than mm-hmm. just, just one blanket way, the way we want to look at it. So it's like someone can be like, oh man, that person cut me off. Like, you know, screw them. Or is that person's grandma sick or they got a phone call someone who was in an accident or, you know, whatever. Like, does that warrant them? No, but still context. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that adds another level to attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And that's important in anything you do. So it's good that you're, you yeah, learned that it and was, the application uh, of it. So Yeah, good. monster weekend. So it's just dialing everything in. Great. So, yeah. But uh, all right, Tim, what's going on in the world, man? 
Yeah, I think we should lead off with some information that we got this morning. Uh, oh, yes. Start her off. Instagram CEO announced. It's good that they said the CEO announced it because if anybody else said it, they think they'd be lying. Yes. Instagram CEO said they're removing likes <gasps> from the feed. Oh, no. Which, yeah, we want to talk about that because, like, there's so many aspects to it. Like, for us as the consumer, it's going to be weird going through the timeline not being able to like things. I will admit. Cause yeah. I, it's so easy. Double tap. So easy. Uh, but just the business aspect of it, because you know, like the influencers out there, they're gonna be up in arms about it, because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, the in, the influencer business transactions usually like, hey, how many likes do you get on a photo, and that kind of determines your pay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna take some pivoting. I think with influencer advertising and stuff like that, you're gonna see a lot less posts now. You're probably gonna see a lot more stories, because mm. they can remove the likes from the photos, but. I, you can still get analytics. I'm pretty sure you could probably still get analytics on your post, but better analytics on your stories. Yeah. It pro- allows you to negotiate your pay better if you're an influencer. You're probably st- still able to see like impressions and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably views on videos. You might see more Instagram TV videos. Yeah. Because you'll see video views. To your point, the same with story views. You can mm-hmm. probably, probably still see that. Um, but yeah, interesting. Maybe less posts in general. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you because those who make likes the foundation, that's short-term model. Yeah. I mean, not to sound Gary V with it, but you know, what's the longevity of your business based on? To where like, you know, we have different ideas in mind for money-making things with, with the podcast and the business, and they don't relate to likes. They relate to relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And so... Where are you really putting in in the, the work? The grass is green on the side you water. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot less, quote-unquote, influencer um, ads and things for sure via that. But, yeah, to your point, I think people are going to get upset. Mm-hmm. But those people are the ones that you know rely solely or way too much on likes. It's like probably see a lot less photos of people in front of the cars that don't belong to them. and you find out who your real friends are within your personal relationships because instead of liking they'll comment if they really like your photo yeah and and look the thing is like so you can't like it all there's no double tap anymore right that's my understanding okay I don't know if it's just getting rid of the number of but yeah that makes sense like maybe (sighs) but like here's the thing will you get like a personal notification to your inbox only if someone does yeah yeah I guess removing the whole thing in general is, is nice but here's the thing so, yeah, you'll watch the story of the people that you still like to follow. Mm-hmm. So, like, this won't, well, maybe it will. I wonder if this will affect people in a sense of now they're going to prioritize even more what they're watching and who they're watching. So, did you like that person just because maybe the car was cool behind that influencer? And now, are you like, well, I don't really care about their story as much anyway. This had some cool posts. I don't really need to watch their story anymore. Mm. So I wonder if we'll see that, like people reprioritizing what they're watching because now it'll make it, okay, I can't just throw a quick like. Now I have to take more time to watch the story mm-hmm. or the IGTV video um, of what I really am interested in. So it's like, okay, now you need to have even better quality of content, I think, too, to keep people with you. Mm-hmm. Not just the quick, the the fake ass photos of the, you know, all the cars, and then the blender bottle on the hood. 
Should I go to the gym all the time? I never put my blender bottle on the hood. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm interested to see how that'll play out with mm-hmm. people prioritizing what they watch. Yeah, and the quality of the person or the quality of content the person puts out. Mm-hmm. You got less motivation to make a good post now. Right. They can't measure it themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. That's I'm, good. I dig it, man. It'll be weird at first. It'll be so weird at first. Yeah, I dig it. I'll, I'll definitely still double tap just out of yeah, habit. Yeah, it'll t- probably take me a couple months to get out of that habit. Yeah, that's so. cool. Dude, I uh, was reading about some Chinese hackers infiltrating SMS messaging. Okay. So, okay. I guess earlier this year in June, there was a group called APT10, APT10, and they were exposed and reported for hacking. Now there was a new one found, APT41, uh, been reported doing the same just as of August of this year. So this group, APT41, has been infecting um, short message service centers, so SMSC, that is how they abbreviated that, uh, servers within cellular carriers um, with a malware uh, malware tool, tool. So they're targeting uh, message centers that help with the data of SMS messaging, so think... You know, if you have an iPhone when your text is green, that's Mm -hmm. SMS. Yeah. So that is being infiltrated. Um, And so it said, hackers have a list of keywords that can get detected if they have a high-profile target, group, event, location, company, etc. is sent or talked about via SMS text messages. And so they can save it for later, uh, for later theft by the threat actor. So they have keywords that they pick up with an SMS text of high profile, anything they want. And then that's how they infiltrate. Then they can start the attack. So now uh, sensitive messages have, you know, been going on, but more removed to more encrypted platforms like WhatsApp, iMessage. Um, There's one called Signal, Wicker, Telegram. I'm not familiar with those as as much. Um, So yeah, don't be sending your nudes via SMS. (laughs) And what if these people use their they're tech savvy for good instead of bad right dude this is what happened to me dude yeah this is exactly what happened to me yeah you got your shit stolen yeah like they acted like they were my bank sending me an automated text and they made me trick me into saying yes to a text but which ended up approving their rights to take over my card on a samsung device yeah it's crazy yeah man you can do so many good things like find out how to like use resources more efficiently with with your knowledge or mm-hmm. or how to you know infiltrate the bad people doing the really bad things mm-hmm. you know stop come on like that's what your skills going towards it's a waste you're wasting good skill and talent yeah and you know what probably make a lot more money doing it the right way yeah if that's the goal most likely and you get rich fast and but most of them don't think like that most of the things yeah. make it doing that way. True that. No one else is doing it. So I was like, man, everyone worried about Russia. Don't sleep on China, boy. Man. Hackers in our texts. Mm-hmm. Choose wisely. Yeah, and if, I mean, just be be more aware of, like, just potential hackers. Yeah. So Don't trust anybody. Yeah, don't show your face if you're sending If it. someone's texting you, <laughs> get on the phone with them. Like, if someone's trying to get with you, like... Get on the phone with them. It's a lot faster conversation. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a freak on efficiency. It's just so, faster. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Yeah, man. So a little, I just, a little fired up now. So 
I fig- I knew it was uh, it was National Donut Day on Tuesday last week. Mm. There's actually two National Donut Days. There's one in June. There's one in November. So do you know why there's two? I don't know. Or how not donuts sure. got two? Not sure. But I looked up and there's like two different dates. But... I like tacos. Can that get two days? Yeah, I can get every day of the week. Church. Um, but yeah, there was this dude in Minnesota, 21-year-old college dude. His name's Jason Gonzalez. He made a very entrepreneurial move using Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay. So there are no Krispy Kreme donut locations in Minnesota. But like, pe- but people still know about it. Like, People are big fans about it. And this dude figured out people are willing to pay for them at a pretty high price since they don't have them in Minnesota. So... Jason Gonzalez, like I said, he was driving about, he was like four hours south of Minnesota in Clive, Iowa. He was down there for like a, some like junior basketball tournament he was coaching, or like he was down there for some reason. Uh, and he saw like Krispy Kreme down there. He posted a picture on Facebook and he messaged his friends on Facebook, be like, hey, there's a Krispy Kreme down here. Does anyone want me to bring any back? And he, like, he said what a couple. A power move. Yeah, he said Good a couple. Friend. He said a couple days later, there were like, 300 comments on it saying to bring it back so he's like okay i have a little business opportunity here so what he did is he created a facebook page that takes orders for krispy kreme he and he would wake up he started a business a donut delivery service where he would drive he would call this location in clive iowa and tell them the order that he had for them to make it and he would tell them the night of the manager like, hey, I'm coming down to get these donuts. He would leave Minnesota at 2 a.m., drive four hours down to Clive, Iowa. He would he would be usually selling about 1,200 donuts a week. Wow. Pick up 1,200 donuts from there, drove all the way back, and fulfilled all the orders. What he would do is he would stop in, uh, like, Target parking lots. And instead of having some fancy van, he would put, like, a Krispy Kreme donut box on the top of his car <laughs> to mark that he was there. And people would just come right away. To his car. So they knew he, he would hit coming. up the Facebook group like, hey, I'm at this Target in yeah. this area. Come find me. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and he was – and usually boxes sell for like like eight ninety, uh, like seven ninety nine. Okay. And he would sell them for 17 to $20 a box. Whoa. So he'd be making like 9 to $12 in profit each box. Yeah. And this Krispy Kreme would be like, hell yeah, we're, we're, we're all for this. Like we're making way more money than all, <laughs> all the other ones. Yeah. Um. But Krispy Kreme corporate got uh, got word of this. Ah, sounds bitches. Called him, told him to shut it down. Oh man! So they here comes the man. Yeah, and I think the re- Krispy Kreme's reasoning was that because he's transporting the donuts like in a car or like driving four hours each way, they were concerned that the quality was going to be compromised by doing that. Yeah. Um, and Jason, he handled it. This is also a good lesson about emotional intelligence because he handled it pretty well. Like he. He broadcasted it on his own, like on his profile, and be like, "Hey, they shut me down." But he was like respectful about it. Yeah. And so news outlets got a hold of this, and it became bad PR for Krispy Kreme because you got like the big corporation shutting down like the small business owner, entrepreneurial guy. Um, and so they sent, and then Krispy Kreme made like a statement saying that they're working with Jason to have him be an independent operator so that he can still do this and not compromise the quality of the donuts by transporting them. Uh, so his Facebook page now has almost 6,000 likes. I haven't checked since a couple days ago, but 6,000 likes on his business page. Um, he's starting a GoFundMe to get a truck that does it. So, like, shout out to this kid, like, 21-year-old college student, saw an opportunity. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. And 
And hustling. Waking, and like, up at two, waking up at 2 a.m. to drive down there. Four hours each way. And I do have to give credit. I don't want to um, forget about Krispy Kreme kind of playing a cool role in, in letting, kind of helping him keep it going. I mean, they did mm-hmm. shut it down. Yeah. But, you know, playing devil's advocate, I get it. Like, I get why they wouldn't want that to happen. They're worried about Because think about You've had Krispy Kreme, right? Oh, yeah. I mean... When it's hot and you get the free one when you go in there and it just, it almost burns your fingers, but you're like, oh, this is going to be just, just mouthwatering and just melt instantly. So like that is, you go for that. So I, I get it Mm -hmm. where they want to make sure like, okay, you're still getting a really good donut, but when it's a little fresher, you're getting an amazing donut. Yeah. Um, cause like, who who knows if you're transporting it that many hours away, it may just taste like another donut. Right. I mean, it gets cold, right? Yeah. Unless he had, you know, maybe kind of the pizza box kind of oven bag things. Yeah. Unless he did that, which, I don't know, maybe. But, uh, so, yeah, I understand it. Do you think he would have uh, gotten that from them without a bunch of news media outlets picking it up? Uh, that's a good question because that's how they found out about it. Because, like, his, his news outlets, they ran the story of him doing it, and then that's how Krispy Kreme found out. Um I don't know, because the manager at the one in Clive, Iowa, they were going along with it. Like, Well, they were probably cleaning house. Yeah, I don't think they... Maybe their employees weren't as happy about it because they had to make so many more donuts, but um, the I manager wonder, was probably happy. I'd uh, be interested to see if wages went up. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think the manager at Iowa communicated it to anybody at corporate. I think the corporate found out yeah. because of the story, the local story in Minnesota. So, so like, what's the... Oh, no, I don't... I'm not a lawyer. What's the legality of, of what he was doing? Like, it can't be kosher. I mean, well, legally, you, right? I mean, because you're reselling you someone's ha- product. Well, you have the... What are these... These... They're... Uh, what's it fucking called? Um, like DoorDash. Pork. Yeah. Like, you get these companies that are delivering food from, like, already established restaurants and making money off of it. They do add the delivery fees, yeah. Yeah. So, they're... Okay. I mean, they're, ma- they're running a business... So... He's kind of doing the same thing. So I'm sure like DoorDash and like these company, these delivery services, they had to go up front to the company and be like, hey, like let's partner, let's sign something. He didn't really do like he didn't really do that. But I don't think it would be I'm not sure if it would be illegal for him. Yeah. I think that And I'm sure even if there was a big issue, they'd probably just send him like a like Krispy Kreme isn't gonna sue mm-hmm. something like that. You know, it's not worth their time or, or resources. They'd probably just send a simple cease and desist. That's what they stop. did. Yeah, that's what they oh, did. Oh, okay. Season okay. assist. Um, so, yeah, they had that. Um, and then the next question is, like, a lot of people will ask is, like, why aren't there Krispy Kremes in Minnesota if there's this much demand? But remember, like, this is such a micro. I mean, this is kind of micro example, micro yeah. demand of someone like. And haven't a lot of Krispy Kreme locations kind of closed up? Yeah. Too? Is it? I feel like. I feel like just because of probably the, the, I mean, that was around the time when, like, Subway was making a huge health push and a lot of other, like, companies were, were trying to like and people just did stop using Krispy Kreme because it was a see like because then it's like okay well how, does, how does Dunkin Donuts keep at it right yeah because they're a donut shop but they also have like way more food items yeah so yeah because Krispy Kreme is donuts only, it's just right? it's only donuts like yeah. what would happen if they added like healthy food options and it's like oh you know I'll you know I get a good breakfast and and this Sunday I'm going to Krispy Kreme uh because you know, I've been really good. I want to just add a donut today, um, you know, w- which is cool. So, but like, oh, yeah, I'll get their this and this sandwich. You know, it's 
maybe it's gluten-free option or just something you know cleaner eating and then you get your donut it's like yeah i got a little bit of both little best of both worlds here Mm -hmm. so i wonder if that would have helped but i mean donuts is their thing god they're so good though i haven't had one in so long they're so good it's pretty cool man i like the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit there we go Mm -hmm. we got there um but yeah glad that Krispy Kreme kind of helped hook him up and, and like he's kind of like one of their guys now mm-hmm. you know they got yeah. a lot a lot of good exposure still too it's a shame the press went negative but they still got good exposure yeah from what he was doing man we should try to get an interview with that guy yeah that came in like hey do you get a lifetime supply of donuts now for free <laughs> yeah um so i I've been adding more kettlebell stuff to to my workouts. Okay. I just I really like kettlebells. You can do anything and everything with them. And so I saw another article um, about toning and strengthening uh, arms, glutes, and core with a fast, sweaty kettlebell workout. Um, and like toning, that's ah, a marketing ploy. Toning is just, you build muscle or you gain it. Sorry. Um, but it was 16 minutes, and I kind of liked this too. Uh, designed by uh, this guy, Tom Holland. Uh, he was an exercise physiologist and Bowflex fitness advisor too. So um, advised on, on Bowflex. But it's a four exercise circuit uh, with little rest, one minute of each movement and four full sets. So the equipment needed, just two kettlebells and yourself. And so it starts with a kettlebell swing. Uh, so you do a minute of kettlebell swings, a uh, minute of kettlebell squats, minute of kettlebell gorilla rows, and then a minute of Russian twists. And then you do that uh, four times through, 16-minute workout. Uh, so if you're tight on time and you have a couple kettlebells, you can still get get the heart rate up, get a good uh, quick workout in under 20 minutes. I'm going to try this one out. Yeah. I, motivated me. I really like kettlebells a lot. Um, I've been adding some swings and things to, to my workouts at the gym just it's uh it's a different movement. Um, I'm gonna start practicing some Turkish get ups soon. I'm gonna start with some half get ups and just start practicing the movement because I want to start adding that. That has so many benefits of just like motor control, uh, proper movement with uh, good shoulder packing, um, good stability through the core. Just mm-hmm. it's a hard. It should be a hard hard movement. Um, so I'm gonna start practicing those. But yeah. Kettlebells, man, I think they're still getting slept on, and they're one of the most diverse uh, workout or pieces of workout equipment, in my opinion. Yeah, wait, what's the gor- what's the kettlebell gorilla row? Uh, so that- say say you take like an RDL position. So say um, what's it work? The shoulders? Yeah, re- okay. re- rear uh, delts, upper shoulders, things like yes. that. Uh, so you're think if you're bent over, like kind of almost deadlift position. Uh, if you're doing like a barbell row. There we go. Okay, like that yeah. position, that's, yeah. but you have kettlebells. Okay. So that kind of row. I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, so that's a gorilla row. Uh, and then, yeah, the Russian twist. So um, you know, I've taught the kettlebell swing to a few patients too. Like the kettlebell swing is a complex movement. Mm-hmm. Like when I pro- progress people through our, our DNS and, and movement and stability and motor control things, like a kettlebell swing is a more advanced movement. It is because you have to you know, be able to work through the hips control and feel what muscles are working there you're actually using your thighs to help swing the kettlebell up so you're not completely muscling through the shoulder you're not completely relying on the back either it's very good proper hip hinging 
uh, and mechanics as well. And you're not rounding the back. You're not having too much extension. So it's, you know, it's a great, great movement. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like this workout, man. Kettlebells. Get on the kettlebells, people. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You can do, still do curls with kettlebells. So you can still get them them bro moves in. Batlin. Batlinson. Uh, so what uh, What about some RLEs, Tim? I kind of cruised through mine with the, the Andy Galpin weekend. Yeah, you covered it well. Yeah. Uh, with mine, I, I just want to hit on the importance of handwritten notes to people. Oh, yes. And the importance of it. Uh, part of my job as marketing coordinator at my company is obviously I'm branding our social media, managing our marketing budget, whatever, but also engaging like current employees and making sure that morale is good and uh, finding out different employee engagement. And what I've been doing lately is writing handwritten cards to people for their anniversaries or birthdays Ooh, and thanking them. Good move. It's something that I've been doing and I, it's, I budget time for it every week and it's something that like makes me like genuinely makes me feel good. And like, this can be applied to like any job you're in, like whether you're in a marketing role or you're just another employee at a company, like, like a text is one thing saying someone in person is good, but like if you can build in like a handwritten thank you card to someone or a card that recognizes them for how important they are, people really do appreciate that. People perceive like, Hey, like they spent time, like they took time out of their day that could be spent somewhere else making money, having fun, enjoying their own time and like dedicated it to me. Yeah. Like that, that says a lot about you as a person. And if you're, like trying to really make someone feel important, like that's the best thing you can do. So that's something that I have kind of slacked at before this, but doing it for my job has made me more motivated to do it like in other areas of my life too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I remember um, in college, I had a class, this guy came in to talk and I I forget what he did for career, but he he was good at it. Like he was successful at his job. And one of the things he alluded to, uh, he's like, thank you notes, will make you more money. Mm. It will increase your income. Um, and it's just, you know, with whatever you do, you're in the people business first. Good relationships. Yep. So you build on those. That's why I love that we send uh, thank you notes to all of our interview guests. Um, it's just, it's a good practice and it's a differentiator too. But it's, it's yeah, it's good practice. So I'm glad that you're using it for your work. And that's like, you know, you already have a really strong likability factor, mm-hmm. but that is gonna with your um, teammates and coworkers and and managers and things be like, man, he yeah, remember my birthday? Like, got me a birthday card and everything. Like, wrote me a nice little note. Like, yeah, man, that dude Tim. Like, you guys need anything? He he's a go to guy. Yeah. Like you know, so it's you know to your point, the handwritten aspect. Like we lost touch with that. Mm-hmm. That's high touch. Yeah. And even like the receivers of the message, I always find it funny when we ask people like, "Hey, what's a good mailing address for you?" A lot of times, people just give us their email. You get the email because they're so used to just giving emails. Like no yeah. one gives out mailing addresses anymore because no one sends letters anymore. Yeah, I always find that funny. And then then I say like, uh, "Sorry, physical <laughs> mailing address." Yeah, so we can mail something L- like for an, a piece of. And then uh, actually, we only had one person ask what for. Yeah, I guess the rest trust us a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I get, it. I, I get it. Yeah, it's, and so you know, we don't like to like tell them we're sending you. It's you know, it's good to have a surprise. Yeah, you know? but um, I mean, that makes sense too. Like, you, hey, what are you, you sending them, to my address? <laughs> even if you ask them, like, 
And if they know, like, you're sending in that in the moment, people will just forget about that for, like, a, a couple days. And yeah. then they'll be reminded of it when they actually get it in the mail. So it's, not, it's still a surprise because yeah. people just put it off and forget about it. But, you know, or after telling you. But. Yeah, sometimes, you know, we'll get it in the mail, like, going into the weekend. So it might not send till Saturday or, or Monday, mm-hmm. something like that. So then they'll get it maybe a, a whole week later. And it's like, oh, yeah, right on. Or sometimes that, you know, just kind of slips for a week and maybe it's two weeks. Like, oh. Yeah, cool. I remember doing that. Then they might share it again or something. Not that it's for that. It's just, yeah, it's good practice. So I like that that's kind of one of our things. Just a nice little little high touch there. Mm-hmm. Um, how nerdy are we getting with it today, Tim? Yeah, we're getting, we're getting pretty, pretty damn nerdy. Pretty so, damn nerdy. My book today is Mind Gym by Gary Mack. So title of the book, Mind Gym, saying how... We work out our bodies, mm-hmm. but you also need to work out your mind mm-hmm. too, like your brain, because that's, I mean, that controls your body at the end of the day. Um, and talks about a strategy to overcome nervousness and stress, like whether it's for a big presentation at work, uh, a big athletic performance that you're going into, anything w- that you're feeling nervous about. And they give you a tip. It says, think of like next time you're feeling nervous about something, going into something, think back to a time where you had your best day at something, where you felt like most confident, uh, things were going right, a day where you were nervous, but then the nervousness went away because you were performing so well. Mm. And think about this in your practice and preparation going into this thing that you're nervousing for. Simulate that feeling like in your brain because like you become what you think about. So if you continue to think about a time where you were feeling confident, you'll slowly start to feel yourself become confident in that, in that moment. Like your, your body and mind will believe what you tell it. And like, the more you simulate it, the more it, it becomes connected. Um, and how just important it is to like train your mind like that. Like what we've talked about it, I, I know we've been texting about it before, but I haven't talked about it on here, is the fact that Jacoby Brissett for the Colts, he has, what was it, like a meditation coach? Or like a, uh, a, a, oh, like yeah. a, a mental coach? Does, doesn't, doesn't he have like a, a mental coach? Yeah, it's like a, a mindset or mental or, or meditative coach. But he yeah. has meditative practices. But yeah, I, I remember what you're getting at. I think it is like kind of a uh, like just good mental health coach mm-hmm. that keeps him in, in yeah. good positive mental spaces. Yeah. And, he, and I'm sure him and a lot of other quarterbacks are practicing like the meditation before games. Like mm-hmm. more and more people are doing that because of just the benefits people see about taking like time to yourself and just breathing and just thinking about a time where like you were successful. Yeah. And like that visualization of like doing exact like plays and passes Mm -hmm. and, and them going correctly. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to play really well today. Yeah. Like these passes are looking crisp. Right. If you're going into, if, if I know a lot of people, like I see this more and more going to like ask your boss for a raise. Like when you, when you should feel nervous, it's normal to feel nervous about that. Yeah. You're asking for m- more money. Stimulate a, or simulate a time where you were talking with your boss and you provided great value within a meeting with your boss. Or like think back to a time where you proved your worth in your position and how good it felt to do that when you did it. Mm-hmm. Simulate that feeling when you go in to talk to your boss about a raise because like that's just going to give you more confidence going in. Like just things like that that you feel nervous for, like really think like really simulate that feeling yeah so and show the reasons that back up the race mm-hmm. like this is why i deserve a race yeah i'm doing more and i'm doing it better yeah um so could you do the same with like if you're going in, into a tough convert or 
conversation, situation, presentation, could you do like think of a time when it was even like whether you weren't as good yet? Like, whoa, I'm pretty good now compared to this time. Mm -hmm. Or like I've been in much more stressful situations. I got this. Yeah. Like, so you, could you kind of flip the script a little bit in yeah. that way? Yeah. Okay. And like, you just the, the realization of the fact is like, you've done this before in the past, and think how better it made you now compared to then because you did it then. Exactly. So you got to do it again now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, a better way of putting it. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pick up what you're laying down. Yeah. I mean, we're we're, 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 on, we're on episode 97. I think we know know of each other good. So. Ooh, we're getting close to triple digits. Yes, sir. Boy. Getting that ROI on this podcast equipment. Mm. <laughs> mm. Bus it, bus it, That's bus right. it. Um, dude, so, oh, man, our conversation with Dr. Karen and Pro. Oh, that was good. Oh, man. Go back and listen to it if you haven't yet. Yeah, I'm re-listening, too. I'm like, man, this this is just, this is some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but damn, it was some good stuff. Yeah. But it, it got me thinking, so I was like, all right, I've been talking Aubrey Marcus, but there's one that, that I read earlier this year called Getting the Love You Want. And we talked about love and life a lot with Dr. Karen. And so this kind of brought me into this book by Dr. Harville Hendricks. He's a psychologist as well. And he concluded that the love we're seeking can't just come from another person within the context of like just a safe uh, and intimate relation relationship, but from what he referred to, and I think I'm saying this right, I might not be, an imago match. So I-M-A-G-O match. So we need to connect with someone so similar to our parents or caretakers that our unconscious mind kind of has them fused. And, and he gives a good example. Uh, but he said that appears to be one of the only ways to really erase the pains of childhood. So a lot of what we're seeking in, in someone else is stemming from a childhood-related incident or phrase or something that was said to us or ingrained in us from a caretaker of some sort or how we were raised Mm. uh, by that caretaker. So that's why we get attracted to certain things. So um, he said if people were going to get healed, the partners were going to also have to change. So you can't just match with someone and never change a thing and think you guys are, oh, yeah. We're into each other. We don't have to change anything. No, you're gonna have to change because the deeper it gets, like the more you're gonna find out what each of you needs from the other person, and that will tell you if that other person lacks in giving that. So that's a growing mm-hmm. thing too. So uh, he said, you know, it's often true that one partner needed the most was what the other partner was least able to give, but it also happened to be the precise area where that partner needed to grow. So for example. Uh, in the book, Mary grew up with caretakers who were uh, sparing in their physical affection. So they didn't show physical touch and, and affection and things like that that often. And so she most likely chose a husband who was uncomfortable with bodily contact. So since she got used to that, that's what she was attracted to, but ended up being what she really needed was more of that. Mm. But she found someone who was unable to give more of that based on how her caretakers raised her. So they were sparingly with that. Mm. She found someone who was the same, but that's what she needed more of, more yeah. than anything. And so it's, uh, it continued to say, Mary craves physical t- contact. So George, her husband, would have to grow and overcome that 
to provide Mary the cravings she needed to fulfill. Mm. So it wouldn't, eventually, you would think it'd run out if he wasn't able to grow and change and give her more of that. Because you can only go without what you need for so long. And so, in other words, in the efforts to heal his partner, he would be recovering an essential part of himself as well. Yeah. And the unconscious selection process has brought together two people who can either hurt each other or heal each other dependent upon their willingness to grow and change. Mm-hmm. So it's like we, we seek out and get drawn to uh, the characteristics that emulate our caretakers or our parents or your grandma raised you, whoever raised you. And, and how they interacted with you is a big part of how we find our partners mm-hmm. and how they interact with us. So even though we get attracted to the similar things, it doesn't mean that's the good thing. So in Mary's case, she got attracted to the same little amounts of bodily contact from her husband that she got from her parents, but she needed more. Mm. Okay. So it was, yeah, that's, that's how this book was. It was very interesting um, when I was reading it and got into why we choose or go after who we choose and go after. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, pretty awakening stuff. It's like, man, that that makes sense. Yeah. We go after things that we uh, can't be given yeah. oftentimes unless that person is ready to grow and change right. into that. And it's like I've looked at like other prior relationships and, and somewhere it didn't give a certain thing. I'm like, oh, whoa. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then eventually just, yeah. yeah. It's crazy when you think about the decision-making behind it. Right. Because I'm attracted to people who are like really clean and orderly and organized Okay. Because my mom was, my mom dealt us like crazy chores like every week because mm. she liked to have things clean. And I value that in a partner. But sometimes that doesn't mean that I need to be cleaner myself. Like that means that I, I may, need to be, may need to be cleaner than what I am to satisfy my mm. partner. Got it. Because I find, yeah, I find now that I think about it, like that's what I'm attracted to is like people who are organized and clean. That's what I got from my childhood. So, yeah. It's funny they bring that up. Yeah, so sense. like everything when we were young plays such a big role when we're older and later in life. Yeah. And I think it gets overlooked in a lot of different scenarios way mm-hmm. too often. Yeah, just like Tim Roberts says, like, tell me what you want to be when you were six years old. I can tell you what kind of person you are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we should do that gestalt therapy. Yeah. It'd be a good one to have on the resume. Good yeah, little skill be. to have. I would like that. He said, what, he did two years? Yeah. 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 So. Man, we need... I know his calendar is not dictated by him, but we need to try to get like a meal with that man sometime. Yeah, oh, I agree. Just God, he's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's so funny too. Yeah, I love the how he does the. So can we all agree? And it's like because if you can't agree, then you don't have to go any further. It's like, yeah, it's so simple and, and easy. But yeah. like he just, oh man, high spirited guy. Love it. Yep. All right, man. You got anything else for this episode? I'm good. Man. Yeah, yeah. How can I make you great? Uh. Go give me some more Chipotle. <laughs> Fair enough. That would be, would they be they must be doing their job right if you if you need more and you had a nice bowl already. Yeah. Oh, they're doing it right. Good. Yeah, I've been more keen on Chipotle. Today, the the girl she was who was about to make my my bowl, she was like cleaning off the counter, like tidying up some stuff and mm-hmm. making it clean. And she's like, "Oh, s- sorry, sorry, I had to wait." 
I said, no, you're good. What you're doing right now is the reason why you're better than Qdoba. Ooh. You guys keep it so much more cleaner in here because you guys take the time to do that in between people. Because, like, sometimes you just get in the mix and want to take care of customers, which is good. Mm-hmm. But, like, don't let your don't let your place get too dirty. Like, I like you when I like it when you clean it on a clean surface or make it on a clean surface. So, you're good. Keep cleaning. It's yeah. fine. I, I don't know if I told you this. You might have – I can't remember if you were with me. Maybe. I was at Doba one night, and this is oh, probably at least a month or so ago. And this was kind of a breaking point for me with, with Qdoba. And I know it's not every location, but when I saw the lady with the cigarette in her ear while she was still dishing out food oh, before she was getting ready to go smoke, foul. it's like, lady, I, where are we right now? Look around. You know, get the cigarette out of your ear while you're working. You're dishing food. Yeah. Like, I know this is a stretch, but it, some of that tobacco could fall out. No, that's what I was about to say. Pro- yeah. Like, when you're moving and stuff, like, yeah. very microscopic, tiny pieces. Like, all you're doing, like, while, you're doing that while you're still working. Like, what's the big deal about just getting your pack of smokes when you're ready to go smoke? Mm-hmm. You're just letting everyone know, like, oh, yeah, I smoke. It's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Deal my food clean. Like, that's nasty. But yeah, and I've observed their counters not very clean. I bet they get some cross contamination. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, you've kind of converted me. I know we've had this discussion where you've always been strong Chipotle, and Doba. I was blinded by the free guac. Blinded by the free guac. Yeah. So if Chipotle, okay. if Chipotle did anything different, come on, man, little, little deal on the guac. Mm-hmm. A little expensive. Just saying. Yeah. Falling on a budget, but need my guac. I don't, I don't blame you. Start with a dollar. Come on. <laughs> All right. Hey, everyone. If you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes at Off The Dome Radio. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And then DM us on Instagram. Give us your name uh, just so we can identify who you are and a good physical mailing address, not email. And we will send a free laptop sticker, sticker to you ASAP. Uh, we always appreciate you guys joining us, uh, hanging with us every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, it's how we're able to keep going and keep doing what we love to do. And uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll talk to you soon.